If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Media Institute for Social Changes Nonprofit Hour Show. I'm Jason Dennington. We've just been listening to Phil Bussey speak to Mike Wenrick of Zenger Farm in recognition of Farm to School Month. And coming up next, we're going to hear Phil talk to David Greenberg of Growing Gardens. Here's Phil. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Media Institute for Social Changes Nonprofit Hour. I am so pleased to be in the studio today with David Greenberg, the Executive Director for Growing Gardens. Welcome, David. Well, thanks, Phil. I'm really pleased to be with you today. And now you've you've been there for almost three years. Is that correct? That's right. And talk to me a little bit about where you were coming from when you stepped into the executive director position. Well, I worked for many years uh, in healthcare. I was the CEO of Planned Parenthood in Portland for a long time. Before that, another Planned Parenthood in Delaware. And I worked at the kind of the nexus of healthcare and education and public policy. And when I found Growing Gardens, I thought this is just a great next act for me because this is really the same work. It's the same social justice work. It's just got a different perspective on that work. So now working in the field of hunger and community development is also about health and education and public policy. Yeah, you know, David, you just said a lot of things right there, and I, I want to I want to dig into those. Uh, no puns intended there. Uh, let's take one step back, though, and tell us who and what Growing Gardens is. Sure. Growing Gardens has been in Portland for almost 20 years, and we started with a very simple idea. I mean, it's as simple an idea as planting a seed, and there will be puns and all kinds of double entendres in this conversation that are wonderful. But the seed... And the idea, the germ of this was that there's an enormous problem in our community then and an even bigger problem now with hunger. It's hard to imagine that in this amazing community, this wonderful state in which we live, there are so many families and especially so many children who don't know where their next meal is going to be coming from. Yeah, and and, and if we can give just some of the statistics that are used, I I, I believe one in three in the uh, children in the Portland area miss a meal a day. Is that is that in the ballpark? It's in the ballpark. Um, we, you know, the data suggests that Oregon is now the third hungriest state in the United States, and there have been some years where our childhood hunger problems put us right at the top or the bottom. I would argue of that list. And it, it, it when I say that to folks, people can't really understand that too well because many of us eat quite well in this community. The amount of food that's wasted would suggest that there is plenty of food to go around. It just is not getting to all the people who need it. Well, and and also it's a very uh, uh, it's a wonderful growing community in terms of the the farms, the climate. Uh, it, it seems as if there would be. We're not living in a desert. We're not living in a desert. Lots of people are growing food in Portland, and Growing Gardens was created to help people who perhaps didn't have the same access to resources learn how to grow it for themselves. So the idea was if you create a garden in your own backyard, you can learn how to feed your family. And Growing Gardens was designed to promote self-reliance, to build community. The garden is a tool, obviously, for producing food, but it's really for so much more. And in the, the, the 20 years that Growing Gardens has existed, what are some of the results that you can quantify? 
Well, we've helped build now over 1,200 gardens that have been installed in people's backyards and now in schoolyards and community gardens around town, helping many thousands of families become more self-reliant and have greater access to fresh fruit and vegetables. About 10 years ago, we began a program working in elementary schools. And the idea with this program was to expand on the home gardens approach working with schools that have large numbers of low-income kids coming from families that are not able to provide all the food that they need, teaching kids how to grow food in the schoolyard, using it as a learning garden, and then helping them to learn to eat the fresh fruits and vegetables that they might not have been exposed to at home. There's nothing that gives me greater pleasure than to go to an elementary school and watch kids tasting food and loving the food that they're eating. And I think that this experience really changes the way they think about food for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. And, and, and that's where the social, social justice element comes in. Is that right, that primarily you're working with uh, low-income families and, and kids? That's correct. Families who are interested in signing up for growing gardens, and you can do that by going to our website. A plug here is www.growing-gardens.org. And you can sign up online. We'll set you up for either a fall or a spring garden installation. Families will get three years of support from Growing Gardens, including a mentor and a complete set of garden tools and all the seeds and plant starts they're going to need. Those families, the only requirement for participating is that they have a low income. They would qualify for the SNAP program for food stamps. Kids going into elementary schools where a majority of them will qualify for free and reduced lunch, would, those schools would also qualify for a Growing Gardens program. And it's a similar approach, a three-year partnership. We'll help the school install a school garden, and we'll provide staff who can work with teachers and parents to really find a way for that garden education program to be sustained after the three-year partnership is up, and we move on to other schools and other kids. And, and I mean, not, not only is this... Um healthcare, but I mean, there are studies that show that the healthier student eats, the more aware that a student is from where his or her food's coming from, often the grades get better and performance get better. Not only is it related directly to nutrition, and we know that kids who are well-nourished do better in school, but the process of learning by doing, experiencing the garden, can actually improve math scores and science test scores as well. And one of our newest efforts is to do a better job of supporting teachers who are interested in bringing those garden experiences into their classroom and helping them implement the new math and science standards. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. I'm talking with David Greenberg, who's Executive Director for Growing Gardens. David, you've brought in some, some interesting song choices. Do you want to cue one up for us? Sure. I, I think we'll start with the garden song. Um, this is a song that many of us know because we heard Pete Seeger sing it over and over again. And it sounds like a really kind of simple song, and in some ways it is, but it's also a pretty deep song that essentially says to us, inch by inch and row by row, we can solve our problems. Let's take a listen. Inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this garden grow Gonna mulch it deep and low Gonna make it fertile ground Inch by inch, row by row Please press 
That was, of course, Pete Seeger. I am Phil Bussey. This is the Nonprofit Hour. I'm joined today by David Greenberg, who's the executive director for Growing Gardens. And before we took our first music break, we were talking about some of the reasons for uh, the, the need for Growing Gardens, uh, the need for the school gardens that your, that your organization provides, uh, the need for nutritional knowledge uh, with, with students. Can you talk a little bit more about why Oregon and why Portland ha- seem to have such problems with, with hunger and with access to food? Well, I think that ultimately those problems go back to issues of poverty, that people who have lower incomes tend to live in places that have less access to food, fewer markets, fewer markets that will sell produce, produce that perhaps is too expensive for them to afford. You know, a family that has a limited income and has to choose between an apple, which a fresh organic apple tastes delicious, but it can be pretty expensive. It's that choice or perhaps something that's less nutritious for dinner and fills you up. Those are difficult choices to be made, but ultimately there are economic issues which drive them. I think that in Oregon there's wealth inequality in the same way that there is around the rest of the nation, and the wider those gaps become, in many ways the worse our food problems become. You know, the United States at one point had a commitment to solving the hunger problem, Mm -hmm. and we were pretty close to having very few people in this country go hungry. And, and, and when was that, and can you just articulate that a little bit more? Well, we go back to the Nixon administration and the food policy of that administration and Agriculture Secretary Earl Butts was to tr- try to create an enormous amount of very cheap food. And I can trace the industrialization and commercialization and the commodification of food back to those national food policies. We haven't had a food policy to fix some of the problems that were caused in that time. But that's the reason why we have so many empty calories on our supermarket shelves. It's cheap, but it's not exactly healthy. But, but I mean, certainly Michelle Obama's initiatives have been to draw attention to school gardens. And obviously, I mean, growing gardens predates that. Have the initiatives or the awareness that's coming out of the White House currently, are you seeing that helping your mission, helping your causes? Well, I think that that Michelle Obama's calling attention to school lunches has been wonderful, and there's been an enormous amount of interest in improving nutritional intake for kids. But the administration itself hasn't had food policy at the top of their list. And the fights with Congress over simply trying to maintain the level of funding for the SNAP food stamp program illustrates how difficult it's been. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. I'm talking to David Greenberg, Executive Director for Growing Gardens. David, I, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you, you've talked about the widespread issue that Growing Gardens is looking to address. There are also, there's quite, uh, a, there's a, a number of other organizations, Zanger Farm, Sovie Island uh, Education Center, 
that that you're working in the same arena with. Uh, is how much collaboration is there? Is there a competition? How does how does how do you all coexist? Well, we're really fortunate that in this community there are so many uh, brilliant young people and wonderful organizations that are committed to working in this space. And the space relates to food security and health and nutrition and urban agriculture, personal agriculture. And we, we're all aware of each other. And we work together as well as I think we can, given the fact that we're also competing for resources. But we know each other. We like each other, respect the, the work that we, we each do. And we find opportunities to partner whenever we can. For example... We partnered with Village Gardens, which is a project of Janus Youth, to help install a garden for 122 families in southwest Portland at Stevens Creek Crossing, which is a low-income housing project. And we're working with 122 families there. And together, these organizations built the community garden, built the children's garden, and are now providing education services to those residents to learn how to use it. But we also recognize that because we compete for resources, each one of us needs to fund our budget and, you know, keep the lights on and pay the rent. And it's a challenge, I think, for the larger community to differentiate among all of the different organizations, each doing an important piece of this work. Of course, the largest organization working on food security issues in the community is the wonderful Oregon Food Bank. And many of us, including Growing Gardens, have strong partnerships with with OFB. So, for example, in our school programs, We've cited some of those school programs in schools where the food bank has food pantries. And now some of the produce that the kids are growing is actually being distributed to the larger community through those food pantries in those schools. And those are just two examples of partnership opportunities. But I think it's clear that all of us recognize the need to do more together to have an even greater community impact. I, I want to keep talking about uh, funding issues for uh, your organization and similar organizations. One of the challenges would be, unlike, say, the museum or the ballet, uh, where you, your patrons are pretty well-heeled and can make donations, the families and the individuals you're working with are need your help specifically because they, they don't have extra financial resources. That would seem to, to – does that create a, an issue for funding? Well, I think the larger community recognizes a sense of responsibility to, to help those of us who need the help the most. And so we've got very generous donors as all the nonprofits, whether it's the art museum or any nonprofit in town, finds a way of communicating the work that we do and finding people who are passionate about it and want to support it. We're fortunate in that because we build gardens and we do so much work with low-income families, we also have literally thousands of volunteers who want to be a part of the organization. And those volunteers are often young people, and they might not have a lot of money, but they're passionate about the work, and they also want to help in financial ways. So for the last few years, Growing Gardens, which has been in the Willamette We Give Guide, has been in first place for the largest number of young volunteers and young donors in the category that we're in in the Give Guide. And I think that it's a responsibility of all of us, folks who can write the big checks and folks who can donate labor and write the small checks to to kind of pitch in and address these problems in, in the community. And Growing Gardens is fortunate in that we've got those folks committed to this work. And what sort of work do the volunteers get to do? I mean, is this 
digging in the dirt? Is this uh, going to classrooms and doing education? What, what, what do volunteers get to do for you? Volunteers do so much for us. And I mentioned earlier that we install gardens for families in their own backyards. And we've got several, several garden build days that are coming up this fall. We do this twice a year. Uh, so I want to plug a couple of dates that folks listening might want to call us about. Absolutely. On October 10th, October 17th, and November 7th, we're looking for volunteers who want to work with families in their own yards and help dig a garden bed and install that garden that's going to be used to produce food for many, many years to come. And then a special event on, on uh, Halloween Day, we have our annual Dawn of the Bed And Dawn of the Bed is this large garden-building event where this year we've got a theme about vampires and there are going to be some wonderful surprises and folks that want to participate on on Halloween Day can come and join us and help dig in the garden and have a great fun time. David Greenberg is talking with us today on the Nonprofit Hour. David, let's let's have a, a little musical break here. Another song suggestion? Sure. I think that folks will enjoy listening to one of the very few rap songs about gardens. So this is uh, Keith Cross with uh, Homegrown. Excellent. I'm a crop farmer. I got what you need. But I ain't blowing smoke when I say I grow trees. It's funny this economy is based on greed. More people don't farm who got mouths to feed. Some folks save money. I save seeds. I don't water my lawn or spray weeds. The money I do spend on watering crops, I get right back because I don't shop for groceries. I got breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the yard. So that recession ain't hitting me as hard. Exponentially, what the Wall Street Journal never mentioned me. Man, I got that homegrown. I don't care about the Dow Jones. The economy could crash tonight, and your whole life savings couldn't save your life. That's why I got that homegrown. I don't care about the Dow Jones. The economy could crash tonight, and your whole life savings couldn't save your life. I said I got that homegrown. I don't care about the Dow That was Keith Cross, homegrown, fantastic, different music choice for us on the Nonprofit Hour. I'm Phil Bussey. I'm the host of the Nonprofit Hour. I'm joined today with David Greenberg from Growing Gardens. I want to talk about one of your specific uh, programs. Uh, in Earlier this summer, in, in, in May, you merged with Let Us Grow, uh, and you're working with inmates. Is that correct? That's correct. And it's actually Let Us Grow. It's another one of those wonderful puns. <laughs> Um, not a specific variety of lettuce, but <laughs> but a general variety, a general category. Um, lettuce Grow has been around for a number of years. Started working at one correctional facility, Coffee Creek, which is uh, for women, and now has expanded so that the program is in most of the adult correctional facilities all over Oregon and several of the juvenile correctional facilities. And the inmates go through, the adult inmates go through a curriculum where they're really learning horticultural science. This is a a college-level program that they engage in. uh, And through their study, they learn how to not only grow food, but how to diagnose plant disease, what makes for the best crop rotation, all the things that they would need if they wanted to get a job when they got out in in the industry, in the horticultural industry. 
They also maintain gardens in all of these correctional facilities. And last year, those inmates grew 276,000 pounds of food, of which they donated about 50,000 pounds of food to local food banks. So they're feeding themselves, which is important because they wouldn't have access to fresh fruit or vegetables if they weren't growing it. And they're also feeding others in their community and giving back. Can you just give me an idea of what 50,000 pounds of food looks like, either in terms of semi-trucks or football fields or... What does that I, look like? I, I can't even visualize it. It's it's semi-trucks loaded with food, and we're talking about the most beautiful tomatoes and corn and berries. And think about your own garden harvest and what it looked like just bringing a basket of, of food in that might have weighed uh, 10 or 12 pounds and then multiply that to get to 50,000. And it sounds like a remarkable program. And you were discussing before with school gardens, and it's not just uh, access to food, but it's it's teaching, uh, for lack of a better word, lifelong skills. You know, if you can solve the problem of what's eating my kale, you've got a critical problem-solving skill that you can apply to other areas of your life. We're also providing job-related skills, and so inmates, after they're released, can find work doing some of the same things they learned how to do in prison. And then finally, I would say that there's a spiritual component to gardening that many of our home gardeners and our inmates talk about. When I'm out in my garden, and I was there just yesterday, there's something quite peaceful about that. And my relationship to the earth, to the larger environment, to my neighbors, those, the gardening work that I do helps me connect to my world in some very important emotional ways and spiritual ways as well as the practical ways. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and going back to the to the inmates that you're working with, also that idea of stewardship, which is, I think, what you were talking about as well, that idea of having uh, responsibility for something both immediate and long-term uh, and having those connections. I mean, that that has to, I would imagine that's a skill that the inmates are learning. Have you seen any of that play out? Has has this project been in play long enough to see any of those impacts? It hasn't been in play that long. Uh, we're talking five or six years. I think that the intangibles around gardening are pretty well understood by folks who actually get their hands dirty and dig in the dirt. Uh, there's a component to this work which is about environmental stewardship and taking care of the place where we live, as well as providing food for myself and for my neighbors. Talking with David Greenberg, the Executive Director for Growing Gardens, I want to wrap up our conversation with just a, a little bit more about yourself. You're talking about your own garden. Uh, can you talk about what, what what do you grow in there, and what have you decided uh, is maybe too difficult, or, or, or say, zucchini that takes over the, the garden? Are there What do you grow in your garden, and what do you no longer grow there? Well, <clears throat> I've been in Portland for about 14 years, and uh, the first couple of years I cut the grass, and then I thought that's not a good use of anybody's time or energy. So I started taking the lawn out one chunk at a time, and then I had a fairly wide parking strip and built garden boxes in front of the, the house. And this last year, which has been a very interesting year for gardening because of the hot summer that we've had, uh, a lot of things came in early. And some of my crop uh, produced just bumper results. So I'm still uh, picking tomatoes and canning them 
and giving them away as quick as I can. Uh, I've got, uh, you know, cucumbers that are, are quite long. It look like some of the big zucchinis that folks have grown. Eggplants had a wonderful year. The kale's been doing well. I've got a fall crop as well as the summer crop. And in this environment, you can really grow three, three out of the four seasons and even have things winter over. Uh, it's been a, a great garden year for me. Every year, I've usually got something that, that gives me trouble and has to be replanted. And so I, I had some difficulty this year with the first eggplants that I put in. Somebody ate them and uh, had to go back and, and replant. And I had a little problem with a couple of tomato plants that needed a different nutritional balance. The thing that I love about gardening, as well as all the things I've been talking about, is that it, it challenges my brain. Uh, because every year, as I say, there's something that doesn't work out right, and then I've got to problem-solve that, and that gets me back to either OSU's Extension Service or the Master Gardeners whom I know or staff at Growing Gardens who are much more expert than I am about growing, and I learn something new every year. David Greenberg, Executive Director from Growing Gardens, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us about your organization and about your interest in gardening uh, a couple. You want to make a couple of last plugs for the organization if people want to be involved. You have some events coming up, and as well if they want to uh, donate time or energy. Sure. So we're still looking for volunteers for our fall garden installation dates. Uh, there's information on our website, uh, growing-gardens.org, and folks can always get to us that way. Uh, I want to uh, thank people who support this organization. We'll be back in the Give Guide again this year. Um, and we're still looking for volunteers that might be interested in helping with our school programs or the programs we run in correctional facilities, and that volunteer information is also on the website. One more song to take us out? Sure. Uh, So one of my all-time favorite songs that I've been thinking about a lot this summer, uh, Here Comes the Sun by George Harris. Great song. Thanks, Phil. That brings us to the end of the show for this week. Once again, we'd like to let everyone know about the Media Institute's upcoming Gather event to be held from 8 to 10 p.m. Thursday, October 22nd at Mississippi Pizza. There will be music, pizza, drinks, a silent auction, and a live interview with Kimberly Irvin of Pyramid Communications to discuss her experiences working with nonprofits to help share their story through emerging social media technologies. For more information about the event, visit MediaMakingChange.org 
or to make a suggestion about an organization that you think should be featured on the Nonprofit Hour show, you can contact me via email to jason.dennington at xray.fm. We'd like to thank our guests on the show this week, Mike Wenrick of Zenger Farm and David Greenberg of Growing Gardens. The show has been produced and edited by myself, Jason Dennington, and is recorded at the production studios of X-Ray FM. We also thank the Media Institute for Social Change, our regular hosts, Phil Bussey and Julie Falk, KXRY Radio X-Ray FM, and most of all, to you, our regular listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to have you join us again next week at noon on Monday for the Nonprofit Hour Show.